Hello and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, how did you find the response to our Game of the Year episode? Good, bad? How are you feeling about it? Yeah, good. You know, lots of people playing Cobalt Core. Or Cobalt Core. Oh. Or Cobalt Core, however the fuck you meant to pronounce it. Oh, God. Yeah, the <laughs> listeners picked me up on me because I said Cobalt Core. And, like, even when I said it, I remember thinking, is that the right way you say that? And then it was too late. I'd gone all in. And then in the Discord, people were like, is this a UK thing of how they say Cobalt or. Yeah. And then I thought, you know what? I can't be mad because it just means that people listen to and enjoy this podcast, which yeah. is all we really wanted, wasn't it, when we started? So Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just classic us, isn't it? Just uh, zooming in on the. The one piece of criticism. Uh, no, it's good. People seem to like the lists, and even if they didn't agree with all the choices, that was fine. Um, you know, they they let it go. Um, I can see some people nervously dancing around the fact that they don't like Jedi Survivor as much as we do. Uh, <laughs> or and that's I do fine. specifically, uh, I do. <laughs> but that's okay. That's all right. You know, I think there are some people are like, but the performance, but you surely, surely that's a thing. And um, I think you said that a little bit like Scotty for a second then. But the performance, Captain. I thought uh, it was a little bit I, of that energy. I do plan to do more uh, <laughs> sort of hidden impressions this year as a oh, that's resolution. Good. That's one of my predictions for the for the year. So <laughs> you would do more impressions of Star Trek characters. So, I, I will so have done good. all of the, at least the crew of the original series. Maybe we'll, we'll start pushing into like Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Uhura, will that be part of the mix, uh, Matthew, or do you think you'll draw the line there? Uh, I can't really think what her voice is like, but I'll, I'll, give it a, I'll give it a go at some point. Okay, good to know. So, uh, yep, all of that is coming up. So, this episode is our 2024 predictions. Normally, at the end of the year, we give people the sort of good version of this episode, which is, did the predictions come true? But... As people will know, at the end of last year, we took a break, so we didn't end up doing that episode. So we'll squash a bit of that predictions from last year revisited into this episode, not as much as we'd normally do. And then we've got a fresh set of predictions for um, for this year. So, Matthew, how are you feeling? Of, <laughs> fresh being maybe the incorrect word there, Matthew. How are you, <laughs> how are you feeling about this episode? Yeah, good. I know, Every year I look forward to this episode because it's nice to have traditions, isn't it? Yeah. But at the same time, when I come to make my predictions, I realise that... I I don't I just don't have it. You know, I'm just pulling some ideas out my ass of things that I think would be nice if they happened, or would be interesting if they happened, or things that are just so silly or out there that if they did happen, it would just be hilarious that we managed to predict something like that. If you read the official, uh, the official, the proper version of predictions online, it's a bit more like industry analysis, which isn't really the vibe. I don't think here. No, definitely not. No, this is just some silly nonsense we pulled out of our yeah. ass, like you say. And like, actually, one thing I learned listening back to the um, 2023 predictions that we did last year was that was where we coined the term Piers Harding tubby rolls, which is <laughs> basically our, there is a, an analyst called Piers Harding Rolls who comes up with, I don't know, educated guesses about games business. I don't really know how that side of the industry really works, but um, we, we do our own sort of, our own, our own jokey version is Piers Harding tubby rolls um, <laughs> yeah. because we are large men. So that's um, that's kind of like hilarious banter we managed to come up with in January 2023. So um, yeah, that just sort of marked that milestone there, Matthew. So, oh, well, uh, that's good. <laughs> Happy birthday to Piers Harding tubby rolls. You're one years old. Well done. Okay, so then. 
Yes, we have predictions to get on with very shortly. Before then, Matthew, I thought I'd give people an idea of what we're working in January because we are back in full force uh, this month making Mm -hmm. a full set of episodes. So I thought I'd give people a very quick rundown. So this is a predictions episode, January 5th. On January 8th, on the uh, Patreon exclusively for XL tier subscribers, I'm going to bang on about my trip to Japan. Uh, I apologize in advance for that. Matthew will listen to it and ask me questions. It might be illuminating. I'll try and make it kind of like a, a travel log or semi-useful or at least like, like Michael Palin style. Yeah, maybe a little bit of that. Just sort of, ju- you know, just try and give people a little bit more value so it's not just me reading out a list of games I bought in Super Potato, <laughs> which is not very nourishing podcast content. So um, I'm well aware that that could be a disaster, but I'll try and make it good. <laughs> Behind the paywall is probably where it deserves that it deserves to be, it's, though. It's got a hint of the us recounting the, the escape room. <laughs> but except it's one episode. of us recounting a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> that you weren't there for and haven't even seen images for so well, like um, the escape room where you scared the whole time that a man was going to jump out oh yeah yeah that's basically yeah that didn't happen in japan i wasn't worried about a man jumping out okay. so um that will happen and then regular episode next uh, after that will be january 12th mailbag episode so we're doing one of those um we know how we feel <laughs> about that and then uh, what we've been playing will be january 19th i've got a quite a mix of stuff to play and to, and to talk about for that one matthew some mm-hmm. leftovers from last year and then um the also on patreon january 22nd the best tv shows of 2023 a little bit later than we normally do but me and matthew will talk about that since tv is one of our yes. specialist subjects good i'm cramming in the last couple of watches so yeah same here and so uh, we've also got uh, something for the sega heads who we are you know perennially letting down on this podcast top 10 sega games with ashley day on january 26th that'll be the last episode of the month and uh yeah in february as well matthew i'd like to do the best games of 2002 because i feel like that's um that's something mm. that i've you know i just i feel like we'll it'll be a good signature episode for us so uh we can talk mm. about that off air but that's this month so giving the sega uh, sickos what they want and so yes thanks so much for listening as ever so let's get into this episode then we're not going to do the whole list of predictions we had last year because i think that'll take up a whole episode and um we don't want to do that because we wanted to make focus on this year a little bit more so we'll do some we got right and then some we got howlingly wrong so matthew to start with you which of your predictions from last year did you get right? Uh, none of them, really, <laughs> um, to be honest. But uh, I guess the closest I got was one of my predictions was Starfield will be fine. It'll be an unusually smooth launch for a Bethesda game, which I think is true. That was good. So, you know, I give myself kind of a tick for that. Um, my other one, which is... I don't know if it's true or not. I said Netflix games will start to succeed where other mobile subscription game services have failed. What an exciting prediction that was. Um, I don't know if that's true. Like, it certainly, you know, it isn't on the tip of everyone's tongue. But they're still going, and they're still adding, you know, quite big hitters just before Christmas. They did the Grand Theft Auto trilogy. And I feel like... You know, they're building up quite a good library, and I think if people were to go onto the Netflix app and look at the free games that they get as part of their subscription on mobile, you'd be impressed, actually, at some of the, you know, pretty premium things that are on there. Um, But, you know, I don't think they've solved the problem of how do we get people to know that these things exist in a tab on the mobile version of Netflix. Yeah. And until that happens it it will never really explode but it's not like you know apple arcade is feels like quite a shadow of its former self and this hasn't quite reached that stage yet so kind of netflix games exist still that's yeah 
Good. I mean, like I saw Jeremy Peel playing the GTAs on his uh, tablet <clears throat> over Christmas, and so what, out and about. Well, I, he was on Twitter on social media. Oh, right, not, okay. not in Bath. You no. saw him in like a coffee shop, <laughs> and uh, that that that. Uh, GTA port apparently has like different lighting options than the console ones have. They haven't put those lighting options in the console version I own, which I was quite annoyed about because I'd like to Ooh. give those a whirl. But because um, apparently it's a more authentic kind of like PS2 sort of lighting they've gone for with these um, different filters. So I'd quite like a piece of that as um, a big PS2 head, obviously. So yeah. yeah um, so you know, if Jeremy Peel's playing it, is that a measure of success? I think so. So you know, I'll give you that one, Matthew. I think that's all right. And Jeremy uh, Peel may feature in one of my predictions. Blimey, we really got to get, get him back on. Actually, I don't think he's been on a regular episode since. I think it's is it twenty twenty one. We did the GTA clones on trial. He it's, must have been in on twenty twenty two. Surely. Oh, of course, he was on the RPGs episode about Baldur's yes. Gate, wasn't he? Yeah, okay, yeah. But still, you know, it's sort of like I'd like to get Jeremy back on. He's always yeah. um yeah welcome on this podcast. So, okay, good. Um, talking about him like he's a fictional character. I always enjoy doing that. <laughs> well, it's nice to give the Discord like some fresh content for them to like sort. Um, they don't really dunk on him, no. per se, but they he is sort of a, a plaything to them, which I think <laughs> is nice. Yeah, he's so he's like um, he's like those two Shakespeare guys combined. Uh, we yeah, talked about it before. Yeah, he's those two basically. <laughs> like as Jeremy Peel is that to the Discord, so that's good. They are, um, they are very much alive. Um, <laughs> uh, which of your predictions did you get right? Yeah, so I'm going to give myself half a point for this one. So New Super Mario Bros. returns in time for the Mario movie dropping, which is a three-star joint at most. I mean, I got that bit right, the last bit. Well, um, see, when I read reread that, I was like, the, the Mario film or the game is a three-star joint? No, no, I meant the film. I meant the film. Right. Because um, I complained about... I listened back to the episode and I complained about the idea that I didn't think it was going to be very good. And then, you know, it, it, I, I haven't seen it, but it feels like it's left kind of no real cultural footprint. That film is <laughs> just sort of come and gone, despite making an absolute ton of money. It probably did what everything that Nintendo wanted it, wanted it to. Like it, you know, made Mario even more famous as a sort of brand, I suppose. But mm. it wasn't strictly new Super Mario Bros. But I feel like Super Mario Wonder was this, really. So I'm going to give myself half a point. Yeah, it's, it's, what the, it's the new Super Mario Brothers team. You know, they're not making new Super Mario Brothers because they're making this. Yeah, exactly. And so I thought, you know, that that was the the, the point yeah. is that like it was a two D game to match the sort of like wider audience who would come in with yeah, that film. Sure. So half a point for that one, I think. Um, I had the Oculus Quest Three is released this year with some killer games and marks a breakthrough in VR adoption, but the reveal is weighed down by some metaverse nonsense no one wants. Now that last bit actually wasn't true. They actually very smartly left metaverse completely out of the pitch for the um, Quest Three, mm. and they just focused on games. I would say that. When it comes to killer games, it's sort of like a bit fifty-fifty on that one. Assassin's Creed Nexus is, is is pretty cool. I've been playing that, and then Asgard's Wrath got a ten. Uh, Asgard's Wrath two got a ten from IGN. So I think some people have really been enjoying that kind of like action RPG thing. So I'd say that as VR goes, those are kind of up there when it comes to um, titles. Yeah. But I don't think the Quest three is specifically marked a breakthrough in VR adoption. I think it's the Quest two being sliced down to a very cheap price. It apparently sold an absolute fuck ton of, co- um, of copies of well units basically over mm. the um the break so <clears throat> i think i can give myself a full point for that one do you, what do you reckon yeah well, that's all right i mean listen it's it's not like there's a prize at the end of this there's <laughs> <laughs> not oh fuck okay no. never mind um and then game pass increases in price that did happen in july so um got that right as well <laughs> that was but, that um, was very pierce harding tubby rolls yeah it's not very not a very exciting um choice out this is meant to be like colorful nonsense where we can talk about games we like you know what i mean like that's... if you read the online articles about like predictions for 2024 they're all like 
expect loads more layoffs and you're like great you know that's <laughs> that's not really the vibe of this episode <laughs> no that's not really what i'm going for personally so um <laughs> yeah that's uh not uh, not good but um okay so those are the ones we got right but what about the ones we got terribly wrong i would say most of mine matthew but mm. um what about, what about what were the, the the big howlers from your your selection uh, e3 is back but the e3 experience is increasingly fragmented uh, E3 is dead. <laughs> it's officially dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, didn't happen this year, you know, for various reasons. So that was. I, I mean, it's right in that the E3 experience is like increasingly fragmented. Unless now it's just Jeff Keeley's for the taking. But um, I guess we'll see how it plays out. But it still still seems pretty messy to me. Like we sent some some people from our company went out to E3 and. Or not E3 to LA during Summer Games Fest, and you know you were taking taxis across town to like rival publisher events and things like that, and you're like, eh, this doesn't this doesn't feel like a, a unifying thing quite yet. <laughs> this this prediction was I must have really been making up the numbers. I have no idea where this came from. <laughs> I thought that there would be a Warriors tie-in for either Lord of the Rings or Star Wars Clone Wars. <laughs> oh, I love that one. That was completely like off-brand for you and batshit. It had everything that one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh no Warriors game announced this year, so you know, it could still be working on it. Um but yes. Um the big one I got wrong was I, I made uh a bold prediction of the top five games on Metacritic, um, which is a bit like one of those bets when you bet on like lots of different things happening. What do they call that? You know, when you uh, bet on like five successive horse races and you get like a mega prize. Um, uh, I don't know. I actually, I actually spread. I don't have no idea. Maybe, <laughs> no idea at I think all. It's, I think it's whatever um, Adam Sandler does in in Uncut Gems at the end, where. Oh, right. He bets on like this, this, and this, and then they all happen or whatever. Well, uh, it, ended, anyway. it ended well for him, didn't it? So uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it ended just about a similar way for me <laughs> in this episode. Um, my top five games on Metacritic were Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, Hollow Knight: Silk Song, didn't come out, Resident Evil 4 remake, Half Life: Alex on PSVR 2, which didn't <laughs> happen, and a, and a Cyberpunk Complete Edition. Um, which also didn't happen, or definitely isn't on Metacritic. Um, I got two out. Of f- I got two out of five. <laughs> yeah. Top five games on Metacritic were Baldur's Gate three, which maybe I should have seen coming. Tears of the Kingdom, Metroid Prime Remastered, <laughs> <laughs> Resident Evil four, and Super Mario Wonder. So I should have Did- trusted in Nintendo. That Metroid Prime remaster did better than the Resi Four remake. A new yeah, game. Yeah, it's the third. Yeah, it's, it's the third highest reviewed game of the year. <laughs> well, I mean, is that is it good or depressing that there's a remake and a remaster in there? I suppose it's like the the remake probably not so much because that's a new game at least. I, but the remaster. Also, they know. just like they they just sh- shadow drop. Is that the right phrase? Yeah, it, it was just there, wasn't it? You could just play yeah. It. And yeah. so everyone, I think a lot of the you know, like not. To be fair to it, no one has talked about Metroid Prime for the rest of the year. But mm. for like two days, all these dweebs were like, Metroid Prime, your turn! And then, <laughs> and then forgot about it. All these dweebs. <laughs> all those dweebs. <laughs> and they gave it ten. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, it was it was cool that it came back. And I bet it sold more. in. I bet it sold more on Switch than it ever sold on GameCube now. Like, it's for sure. Oh, yeah. Gonna, yeah, its reputation is... Uh, is inflated so yeah i mean that probably is what happened there and it was the start of the year so you know people could 
people were bright optimistic i don't know it's um yeah, but we're actually going to formalize the top five predictions thing aren't we, we, we you and i are both going to have a yes. go at this at the end of the episode yeah, well, that's, so. yeah we'll, we'll i guess we'll break that down a bit later yeah yeah absolutely so um yeah um any more howlers and, you wanted to go through no that was that was mostly it. the rest of mine were just a bit too boring really to mm. talk about um or some of them i'm gonna roll over into the into the new year perhaps so um what about you what were you horribly wrong about yeah so i'm saving um i'm saving a couple of mine for uh for this year as well i'm gonna roll well actually just one of mine i'm gonna roll over mm-hmm. but um final fantasy 13 and it's two sequels are updated for modern <laughs> platforms nope that never happened um the yeah. funniest one was sony unveils native playstation 3 backwards compatibility leading to a broad reappraisal of the resistance trilogy that never happened um obviously uh nintendo right. switch successor is teased right at the end of the year nope um this is the year sony hard pivots into making big multiplayer games happen nope that didn't really happen last year last year was spider-man year and yeah, though, uh, yeah. uh, though everything they announced going forward was a multiplayer game yeah like they got hell divers this year right that's what hell divers and that that um oh what's it called that you know there's that kind of heist game that i can remember the name of something uh, like like illegal games or something no, I never heard of that. Was that? It's a... the it's Jade Redmond's one. It looked like Watch Dogs. That trailer. Oh remember? yeah, it was like a pun on like, like something games. <laughs> yeah, was... that marathon. That yeah, that and marathon were in the same live stream, and I was there thinking, ah, I love single player games. You know, man, I'm just a big fan of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I actually don't think you were that far. I don't think this is howlingly off. No, this is happening. This has been in the sort of um, the sort of like uh, on the way for a, a long time. So yeah, I guess like, it's like a half a point for that one, maybe. Yeah. Um, but it didn't really happen this year. Back to, so, this, um... back to this non-existent point system. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the accounts are absolutely nothing you're really at all. You're trying to reinforce this point every time it's looking good for you. You're back on the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I play to win and not to lose, Matthew. That's what I do here on this podcast. And then the the last one that's probably worth mentioning is a link to the past remake announced for Switch. The uh, thinking there was just you know the links awakening one did really well it would seem and yeah you know it was sort of like it seemed to go down quite well as well with zelda fans so i thought they would get to this next because it's a little bit more ambitious to do uh link to the past so um yeah but that never happened so uh again was, no points for me to resurrect the point system one last time um but yeah was, was super mario rpg this was that also grezzo was that the team that did links awakening oh gosh i have no idea actually uh let me just find i mean that that playing that now that really has the feel of that links awakening remake you know oh really okay that's interesting yeah like like in terms of production values and like the intention of the thing and that they haven't really like meddled with it at all yeah you know if it's not the same team it it feels like it's it's come from the same place in the same process Hmm, okay. So there seems to be like a whole okay, right. Uh, so there was apparently like an IGN sort of investigation, semi investigation to who did this. So they um they reached out and apparently it was a joint effort between Nintendo Internal Studios and Arte Piazza. I don't know. Oh, that's right. Arte okay. Yeah, yeah. Um so yes, uh that's um but then there is no um Arte Piazza in uh actually written in the game apparently in the credits, so it's quite a quite an odd one. But anyway, yes, so um there was also, but the um, apparently Arty the direct Pazza, uh, of course, stands for Arty Pizza. Oh yeah, <laughs> very good. And so, um, yeah, so apparently it was directed though by um, Ayako Morowaki, who was also an assistant director on Pikmin Four. 
and worked on Yoshi's Crafted World. So this was definitely like a Nintendo internal joint in, in some capacity. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I agree, though. Who knows what Grezzo's up to? But maybe they're doing this for this year, Matthew. Who knows? Maybe. But, um, so, yes, yeah, so that's pretty much last year. So Hope you enjoyed some, that. There might be some points in it yet for you. <laughs> yeah um, i will say as well actually that having sort of gone gone over these i'm quite glad we didn't waste an episode on revisiting these they're not that interesting <laughs> they, they pretty much are just fine as a footnote at the start I, of the episode I think we've actually found the optimal version of this <laughs> yeah it's, it's like let's do it let's do two episodes in one and just make the whole thing shorter <laughs> <laughs> exactly so uh well done us um that was uh what a, what uh what we've just we've saved you listeners you, you know we really did you a favor there by disappearing from instead of um turning this into a two-hour episode so that's good uh, any other observations from your predictions matthew or anything you want to sort of like discuss before we move on to this year's predictions uh only that i'm glad i don't really have to do this for a living and come up with serious <laughs> predictions because it, it seems like a grim business so yeah i must admit there was a moment where i had 11 out of my 12 when i was sat in the um i sat in starbucks today and i sat there for 25 minutes thinking of a 12th one and i was like why am I doing this to myself? Like, was this a good idea for a podcast? If this is how I feel I, about it, if this is what I'm doing to myself, you know, it's it's tough. I, I must admit, I asked uh, everyone at the company at lunchtime. I was <laughs> like, we're doing this predictions episode. What would you predict? And then I did that annoying thing where I asked for everyone's help, but every idea I got back, I just wasn't into at all. So I just kept being like, no, nah, you don't really understand it. <laughs> that's good. good job none of your colleagues listen to this podcast and um, hear their ideas being said. No, well, they so heard me good. doing it in real time, being like, ah, uh, and I was trying to explain to them the kind of thing. It's a very annoying habit I've got. It's like, I ask for help and then I'm just not interested in any of the answers. <laughs> not, not very good at masking that. Yeah, that's tough. That's um, it's almost such a good editor though. Is the way you make staff feel bad inside? Like that's always um, <laughs> yeah. been your strength as a boss, I would say. So <laughs> it's not one of my management strengths. It's like pretending, pretending I've heard a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I just know how you do it. You go sort of go, yeah. You sort of do that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. do you know that's, what I mean? That is literally the impression people do of me. Of like, <laughs> of like oh, here he goes. Like, or I'll be like. Hmm. <laughs> I'll just I'll just say hum, and hopefully, you know, people will know not to not to pursue it. <laughs> the funny thing is with us, because I I sort of tend to just fire ideas at you sometimes with the sort of energy of Alan Partridge with his little recorder, really. <laughs> except the little recorder is you on Discord, so yeah. I just fire those at you, and I can't hear you going hum. So I have no idea how you feel about them, but then they go into a podcast schedule, and then they're happening. So who knows how you feel yeah. about being dragged along if for the ride? If there are any that I didn't like, you know, I'd be like, well, I'm not that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're like yeah, like why destiny is good part two. No, that's uh, you, yeah. you veto that one. So yeah, um, okay. So last question then before we get into our predictions, Matthew. Is there anything more broadly you want to say about this coming year? Like sort of like wider thoughts about the year ahead. Have you been looking at the list of games? Have you been getting excited about it? How, how are you feeling about it more generally? Yeah, I am excited about it. I think there's a, there's enough weird bullshit that speaks to me i don't really know what the the mega mainstream triple a hits of the year are going to be mm. it's quite hard to sort of see that but if you're into sort of weeb shit <laughs> um, <laughs> you know you've got like quite a lot of persona or persona adjacent stuff you know you've got like a dragon infinite wealth that's going to be massive there's a you know i mean for heaven's sakes we're getting a, a, a another code switch port you know that's absolutely bizarre and so up my street so yeah i'm i think it's a i think it's a pretty pretty 
it's a pretty exciting year for the kind of people who would listen to this podcast, I think. Yeah, I think so. I, I was considering doing a Persona episode, but I don't know anyone who's like a bang-on massive expert for it. So I did want to have someone on to talk about it, because obviously three remakes out very, very soon. But um, Yeah, there's lots of people yeah. who are like big Persona 4 and 5 heads. Well, that's the thing. It's like each each game is kind of its own meta series, really, isn't it? So they've got yeah. got their own universe and rules and things like that. I am excited about three remake though, especially because it's just on Game Pass and I, I, you can pre-install it now. And I'm like, yeah. I was quite dismayed though to learn that Infinite Wealth is not a Game Pass game. I think I just assumed it was because it was at the Xbox conference right. last year, but it's not. So um, I have to pay cash monies for that oh, one. But, uh, cash money. <laughs> that and um, FF7 as well. You got um, you know like a real like you say a big bank of weeb stuff. So yeah, it really yeah. is like the first two months or three months of the year just off the hook really there's um lots to get excited about like you say though i think it's the sh- the wider shape of the year is a lot harder to sort of perceive from here because there's you know i would say like on the microsoft side hellblade 2 kind of feels like the you'd expect to see out this year you know um, i don't know if they said when yeah. it's actually coming out but like that's um that you know that it's been um, in the works for a little for a while and so there was a trailer at the uh, the xbox but conference last year so you'd expect that but may- I don't, yeah maybe a forza horizon that is oh, a yeah. prediction but like like based on the cadence of those games you'd expect there to be that um yeah it's been like what three years since the last one yeah so that's about right you know so yeah and uh, fable is going to be further off probably but yeah, yeah i think yeah yeah they didn't say 2024 for that so mm, and and then there's obviously going to be a big Nintendo something this year. So um, maybe we'll get into that, though, when we discuss our predictions, maybe. Matthew. So, um, yes, okay. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the year. Also, I will say the start of the year, I don't mind not having... Uh, what we've got is is probably still too many games for me to actually play what, what's coming oh, yeah. out. And so, especially because I'm still catching up from last year, and I know everyone is, but I'm just like, if I haven't touched Baldur's Gate... Do I have any business starting Persona Three Remake? That, that's these are the <laughs> questions I will ask myself this year, and I'm sure many people do the same. So, yes, Matthew, should we take a quick break and come back with our predictions? Let's do it. I've been eating a big cheeseburger. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's good. Cool. Yeah. Jolly enough. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. So, 12 predictions each. One from, uh, sorry, let me start again. <laughs> oh. You're about to explain the concept of each. Yeah, I was. <laughs> it sounded like, like you were just... about to go one from each of us. <laughs> Fuck's sake, I still forgot how to podcast. That first hour <laughs> of the game of the year was all right when I listened back to it, but um, there's still like a few moments where I'm like, do I know what words are there? That doesn't quite sound right, but um, <laughs> okay, I'll start that again. Welcome back to the podcast. So, 12 predictions each then. So, uh, let's kick off, Matthew, with can I, one of mine. Can we go first with yeah, me? Let's, yeah, let's right? go with you first. Yeah, so we're allowed to roll over up to three predictions from last year. I've rolled over one. So, this first one is one of mine from last year. So, a um, bit of reheated content there. Getting the KFC bucket out the fridge on Boxing Day and giving that a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a reheat. Sorry, that's a very specific memory of, um, of a Christmas <laughs> from two years ago when we had when to eat up. COVID. Yeah, that's it. That's just the bad COVID Christmas haunts me still. Uh, I don't need to go into that again. Okay, so this is the thing I think must happen after ff7 rebirth comes out right a near automata sequel is revealed this year and it's the best game platinum has made since vanquish so i said this last year the vanquish bit is just a bit of spice on top you know a cheeky little bit of oregano like don't overthink it i would say but um, <laughs> <laughs> near automata 
you know, it was a 2017 game, and we are seven years hence. There has been that near uh, sort of like the original remake, obviously a few years ago, but that wasn't Platinum. You would expect that the big sequel to this, like six million plus copies, you know, selling game, has to be in the works. It has to exist, and <coughs> this would feel like the right time for it. But then I said that last year, Matthew, and I was wrong. So, um, what do you think? Is do you think there is actually a near automata sequel? Does this just not exist? Are they just not making these games anymore? Yeah, I mean, based on like you know the numbers, you'd you'd think it would make sense, um, and it does just feel like maybe where it, where it sort of sits amongst the other games i think you're saying after final fantasy 7 rebirth that you know that 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 makes sense yeah it's it's kind of hard it feels like there's that there's like a lot to be gleaned about platinum out there you know they're sort of quite open in terms of interviews uh as far as you know these slightly boutique japanese studios go uh and cameo leaving you know he's talked a lot about it and you know, the vibe from him seems to be, you know, this isn't necessarily the, the kind of cutting edge place that it was originally or that that I kind of hoped it would be. And, you know, it, the kind of work we're doing doesn't really interest me. And perhaps that kind of work is, you know, sequel work on something established. So why not? I mean, it feels that that feels feels good to me. I mean, I think I've predicted in the past, you know, didn't come to anything, but, you know, there's this still apparently something coming from Mr. Astral Chain at some point, yeah, whether that's like Astral Chain 2 or whatever for the Switch, I don't know. But um, thinking, you know, I probably think about Platinum more than I think about most Japanese studios. Um, so, I, you know, I hope that they're doing at least something that's rewarding for them. Yeah, it's funny because there was a rumour doing the rounds over the weekend that one of the things being prepped for Nintendo Switch 2, whatever the successor is called, was a um, it's a Bayonetta trilogy uh, sort of like package where they've ad- added HDR and given it a bit of a shot in the arm. I think um, Bayonetta 3 could do with a little bit of that, to be honest. Just oh, yeah. get, you know, a little bit of a facelift. So I think that that was doing the rounds. R- rumours do tend to come out of Platinum, like you say, more than they do other Japanese studios where there seems to be a little bit of grounding in them. So I do agree it's been a, a little while now since they've had a big signature game. So yeah, I think um, I think Nier probably makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's... Uh, Astral Chain, Astral Chain is a possibility that that could be an, an again like an early Switch Two thing that they'd be saving, you know, kick yeah, holding I back mean, for for that. But I don't know. It's I mean, they made Astral Chain sort of in my mind. How I remember it was sort of alongside Near Automata. Anyway, maybe yeah. that's maybe that's not quite right. But you know, they're a multiple project studio. They're not just you know one game at a time. So mm. you know, there's no no reason it couldn't be. Yeah, I think they're a couple of years apart, so that's you know not a massive okay. amount of time. But yeah, it's um, yeah okay. Maybe so they, yeah, maybe they've lost that guy's papier-mâché head. <laughs> they're like, we just can't announce it because we can't find his freaking meme head. It's in storage somewhere. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, side note, actually, when I was in uh, Tokyo, I missed. Did you by start one... wearing a papier-mâché head? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I missed by one day. There was um, there was like a. It was going to be uh, Kamiya and Mikami on stage together. 
like having oh. a discussion. I mean, I couldn't have understood it anyway if I'd have gone. But one day out, it was like the Saturday I flew back. I think they were doing it then. And I, I believe that the um, uh, the Archipel channel will have that uh, as a video at some point. But that would have been an amazing thing to behold in person, wouldn't it? These two um, these two masters uh, having, a, having a discussion. Yeah. So, uh, yes, who knows? Um, you what... should have stayed out an extra day, gone to it, and then you found yourself stuck, stuck sitting behind the papier-mâché head so you just couldn't see any of it. <laughs> You're like, oh, fucking down with the giant head already, man. What's funny is, right, is I feel like I'm trying to move on from the papier-mâché bit, and you're like, oh, no, no, I'll keep forcing it back in. And then, like, <laughs> it's going to come up in every single prediction now somehow. No, no, that's it. I've, I've done all my papier-mâché moon head material. You're like, oh, I've, I've bought a Nintendo Switch 2, but it's come with a papier-mâché head. If you did that for every single prediction, I would be quite impressed. Um, and then worn no, down. I, kind of, yeah, I'm not okay. sure I can make that work. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's go to your first prediction then. Uh, my first prediction is is a very boring, you know, let's just say Switch 2 uh, will launch with the same form factor as the Switch uh, I don't think they're going to do anything too out there, too experimental. I know that, you know, direct sequels like that don't tend to happen. Probably the closest thing you have is, you know, 3DS, 2DS, which is probably, uh, as in 3DS to the DS, not 2DS, um, <laughs> which is, we have this massive DS platform, probably the thing most comparable to the success of the Switch. And we don't want to kind of rock the boat too much. Let's keep the kind of form factor that people understand, but with a bit more heft, a bit more power. I don't think they're going to add a, a glasses-free 3D screen to it or anything dumb like that. Um, as part of this prediction, I'll carry over. My uh, Kid Icarus Uprising Switch port gets announced um, as part of Switch 2 rather than original Switch. I still think Sakurai kind of winking at the idea of it on his YouTube channel was just too much for it not to be a real thing. Um, and I also predict at launch that will be Mario Kart 8 Extra Deluxe with <laughs> all the DLC from the last two years included. Oh, that's okay. Music. Sorry, I thought you were going to do the... Um, Mario Kart. How many times have people heard that fucking tune on the menu screen? Yeah, no, that's that's not what I was going for. I was going for Kid Icarus, but he'd already moved on to Mario Kart, so there's a little bit of a out of nowhere, to be honest. So, oh, I'm sorry. Um, surely, like we we must be at the point where we could have a Mario Kart Nine. Like, are we not allowed that at this point? I know that like it's. I really think the DLC they've done for Mario Kart Eight is fantastic. It really is like adds a lot of value, and it's been great. It's another Mario Kart. Isn't it? It's it's a whole yeah. Mario Kart game of campaign. Yeah, the campaign. <laughs> campaign. What, what the fuck? Story what, mode. Oh, sorry, about what, what, what do you call what, what do you call it in a, in a fucking Mario? You know the thing that you do the career. Yeah, <laughs> it's another career in Mario Kart. Yoshi's racing career. Yeah, I mean, oh, you know, like, right? Oh, no, no. I, it's, sorry, sorry, joking. Sorry. Oh, I feel like I've um, of course, I'm real upset. There. Um, <laughs> oh, it's just, I don't know what you, you know. Just, no, just let it go. Okay, I will. It's fine. Um, so move on. Yeah, this I promise my... to move on from Papier-Mâché Head if okay. you promise to move on from the campaign. And that's how I crowbar Papier-Mâché into this entry. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So this is actually my fifth prediction as well. So oh, okay. Yeah, Nintendo Switch 2 is unveiled this June and alongside 3D Mario, that's my, my guess. Um, and uh, uh, one of the things they will show off with it is Tears of the Kingdom running at 60 FPS. I think they'll do some kind of like 
premium upgrade thing you can give uh, your games maybe like a paid up upgrade for your existing games to make them run a bit a bit in a bit of a shinier way i i mm. doubt that would be an out of the box thing they would do maybe i'd be wrong but um I mean, maybe, that's the big maybe... that's the big question mark yeah, maybe it could be a, th- a feature that they package in with their continued Switch Online subscription because they've had quite good form of like, here's this quite transformative DLC that you probably need and mm. it's a part of this online subscription or you can have it separately. Maybe they'll continue doing that. Oh, good. So if I, because I'm on the Castle family plan for the Switch Online, I'll get 60 <laughs> FPS Fire Emblem. If this is real. If this is real. How they, they should announce the Switch 2 is just with the, the Zelda Tears of the Kingdom trailer that I love, but just <laughs> at 60 frames, but with that same mad fucking saxophone music. Yeah, and uh, a papier-mâché head at the end somewhere. Yeah, just like... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, then, let's move on to my second he prediction, does have, shall we? He does wear masks. Uh, yeah, you know, like the the sort of like if you wore a the sort of like the big moon was what is it the Majora's mask thing in the sky? I've I, I mean, it's, yeah, like that. There's of... there's that weird there's the weird guy who I want to call Nelson, but that isn't his name. The guy's <laughs> collecting. He's like the freak who like lives in a little monster hut, and mm. he's the guy you give the the little star shines to that you get in the caves. Um, he gives you all the monster disguises, but I don't think they're papier-mâché. I think they're knitted. He gives you, like, the knitted Bokoblin head and the lionel mask. Yeah. Um, they've got a DIY vibe to him. What's his name? It's not Nelson. He's like, Neil... Mm. I don't know. You played this game way more than me, so you've yeah, got... Yeah, uh, I just wish I could remember what his name is. He's green, and he's got quite big teeth. Okay. Well, look, if we figure out who that is, then we'll <laughs> that add it. Okay. Ad- Spoke uh, volumes. <laughs> we'll add it as an addendum like, to the oh, I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> We're being surprisingly sort of feisty on this episode, you and I. We're a bit a bit more um, tension than I'm used to. I'm sorry, um, I've got to look it up. No, Monster it's fine. Go ahead. Hot, Zelda Hot. Oh, no, not Zelda Hot, you idiot. <laughs> Zelda I have a cheeky swig. I'm a Monster Energy drink while you're doing that. Ooh. White flavour for anyone at home who's uh, wondering Ooh. what flavour that is. Kilton. What's that? What did I say? Nelson. Nelson. You say Milton, he's called. Kilton. Oh, Hilton. Okay. Kilton. The K. Oh, Kilton. Sorry, I just I was missing that first um, syllable there. Okay, good. Kilton. Yes, yeah, sorry. Anyway, that might be in the worst minute of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We might be in a topic before the end of this episode. Some of these predictions are quite uh, dubious, Matthew. So, uh... me, me googling Kilton from Zelda <laughs> while you drank a monster energy drink. <laughs> don't worry, I'll slow it down to like 10 seconds for the listeners so they don't have to suffer through the, uh, yeah. the painful silence. Okay. Um, all right, then, so we move on to my second prediction. Bloody hell. Um, so Matthew's beloved and languid Hotel Dusk and Last Window will have a remaster announced later this year, similar in vain to the another Code remasters releasing on Switch this year. So it feels That's to me like... That's my predictions. Oh, yeah? Is it? Well, that makes sense. I thought I thought it would be somehow. I thought I could take a couple that Matthew might also take. I won't step on his level 5 one, which is inevitable. I won't... You know, that's oh, his. Oh, no, I haven't got a level 5 one. Oh, haven't you? Oh, one of mine was going to be... You know, this is the year of the big level 5 resurgence. But um, oh. I, I guess we kind of know it's happening because Decker Police and later yeah. in the works. So, um, yeah, so... Yeah, this makes sense, doesn't it? Because the, those and other code remasters are looking quite are quite nice. They're not they don't like they're too expensive as projects go. My guess is that Hotel Dusk was a bigger hit than another code was, so it would yeah. make sense if they did this pair and then moved on to the um to Hotel Dusk and Last Window. So, um Matthew, how are you feeling about this as a kind of prospect for uh for Nintendo Switch? 
Yeah, I mean, I literally in my prediction, if another code can happen, this definitely can happen. Um, you know, it's, it seems wild to me. And the only thing that may have factored into their thinking uh, is because another code, ah, uh, oh, the Weave one didn't get released in the US. You know, some of the thinking might be, well, let's take a punt on it. You know, we don't know for sure that it won't work. But then last window didn't get released in the US either, I don't think. Um, right. I'm going to have to check that up because, you know, you know me, I'm only interested in what happens in Britain. No, you are right. It was never released in the US, which is interesting, isn't it? That's um, that, that So, you know, you know, yeah, you have both this and another code, exactly the same thing. An entry in the US, an entry not in the US. I mean, Hotel Dust in Last Window are infinitely better games than the another code pairing. So it would be mad if they, they didn't. But, you know, I guess we'll wait and see. Maybe, like, another code R is easier to port because it's already kind of console feeling in that it's a Wii game. Um, but you know, they only have to do the lift on the, the the DS game, which is quite short. There's n- not a huge amount to it. I actually haven't played the demo of that yet on the Switch. Mm. Um, yeah. Which is a failing. <laughs> well, I could sort of like I could already hear in my head um, the Nintendo Direct guy going, "You are Carl Hyde, an ex-cop turned salesman." Trying to try, <laughs> yeah. you know, I can I can already hear that in my head. So, Carl uh, yes. Hyde is rubbing shoulders with the crazy residents of Hotel Dusk. <laughs> yeah, so that sort of like I, that that feels right to me, and I agree with you. I mean, I I gave a another code a go for I think the DS draft, and it just found it a little bit of a tough hang like it's just uh it's i think that there's just something about the kind of like noirish theme and the presentation of hotel dust that goes down a little smoother and yeah another code's one of those sort of like a certain type of nintendo fan is obsessed with it and i'm like okay that's fine you can you know you yeah. you, you have your you have your fun this is not my sort of thing but that's okay yeah. um yeah um okay cool so we both have that one maybe we'll have the same predictions down the line and this will be done in five minutes now so uh what's your second prediction matthew my second prediction is nintendo will celebrate 20 years of ds by adding ds games to the switch virtual console Mm. how's this going to work then well in the same way that ds games were on wii u uh they have they basically only put the ones which were fully touch controlled and you could play them entirely on the gamepad with a finger you know, you could do that on the touchscreen of a Switch. They may do that as a Switch handheld only mode. Hmm, interesting. That's, that's my proposal. <laughs> okay, I, I look forward to you going in front of the uh, of Doug Bowser and uh, presenting that. That should be good. Yeah, I mean, it, it does limit you to, you know, a small selection of games. Actually, that's not true. There were some ones which weren't just touch controls, but they, they were definitely, uh, there were definitely many of them if not all of them, you could play on touch it on dust the gamepad. So lots of things like a power paintbrush and that Kirby game where all the you've got all the Pitmin Kirby's Mass Attack is that what it's called? Oh right, yeah, uh, that was, yeah. yeah. Um, brain training, that kind of stuff. Just something to acknowledge twenty years of DS. Yeah, I, I agree. This is something that needs to be excavated in some ways i wondered if them doing um another code was them that them gesturing towards we're going to try and get some of these games off of ds now and onto modern platforms just to try and salvage them so you know but then doing that for giving that same treatment to all those ds games seems implausible doesn't it and whereas Mm. like a software-based solution would you know or like an emulation-based solution would probably make more sense so yeah okay interesting i think i could see that's happening um, rub rabbit's port when 
<laughs> Excellent. Uh, I'll look forward to that. Uh, would that mean that um, you'd have a Wendon on there? Would that be all right? I, uh, Matthew, uh, how yeah. was, um... was that? I can't remember if that was on on the Virtual Console on Wii U, but they, mm. you know, the, the things you get in Virtual Console tend to be the things you got before in Virtual Console. So whatever yeah. that lineup is, it would it would probably be that. Okay, interesting. Probably have to relicense the music, so that would be uh, that would be a no go, dog. Okay, mm. all right. We come to my third prediction then. This is a discourse prediction. People will bang on all year about how this year is a quieter year for games than 2023, and by the end of 2024, we'll all be sick of talking about it. Thoughts, Matthew? Yeah, that's that's probably true. Though again, if you look at the, the number of massive things announced for this year, you know, there's there's no reason it can't be as as busy and exciting as last year. But mm. yeah. I, I, you know, it's hard to see like what the you know, the Tears of the Kingdom or Baldur's Gate 3 is going to be this year, you know? Yeah, that is uh, that is harder to figure out. There's, yeah, because those things were all kind of in the works for a while. That was the other yeah. thing is we got to... We actually got to this point of the year, I was listening back to the predictions, and we knew that Final Fantasy was coming out in June. And we, I think we knew that Diablo was coming out then too. So, right, right. Whereas like now it's a bit, you kind of know what's coming out up until spring, and then it basically becomes a big sort of question mark after that, doesn't it? So, mm. um, yeah, I do agree. It's uh, hard to figure out what that would be. But, uh, yes, I think there'll be a bit of that. But I agree. I think that, you know, if there is a Nintendo console launch this year, then that will inevitably make the year feel quite massive. So, uh, mm. yes. What's your next prediction, Matthew? I think the 3D Mario team might be working on a 3D Donkey Kong game. Okay, interesting. This is purely based on how prominent Donkey Kong is in mainstream Nintendo, like how big his role was in the film, and the fact that there's a big Donkey Kong theme park extension at Universal Studios. The thing that struck me when I watched the Mario movie was they spend a lot of time in Kong World, or whatever they call it, and it wasn't pulled from anything I recognised. Like, it wasn't, you know, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat or Donkey Kong Country or anything like that. But it seemed quite fully realised as a society and setting to the point where I thought, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a thing which existed in some other form which they were able to pull from, you know? This feels too thought out and and complete to just be a random thing they pulled out their ass for a film <laughs> in a theme park. Right. So you, you think it's another of those complete Switch games that sat in a drawer somewhere? Do you think there's a little I, bit of that? Yeah, uh, yeah. and there have been rumours in the past about someone working on a, a Donkey Kong platform, and not, not necessarily like a sequel to Donkey Kong 64, the, the rare thing, but, you know, that, that, that Donkey Kong like weirdly without having kind of a huge game series of his own is as iconic or key an icon he is as key an icon as you know a mario zelda peach you know the the big names so maybe it would make sense why not take a punt and try and give donkey kong something to do yeah that was just and that was a genuine thought when i came out the film i remember saying to catherine saying you know, given how much that game pulled from games for like every inch of of the Mushroom Kingdom, hmm. it was really fucking odd. Like how many other Kong family members there were, and like their their village and temple. I just there was something off about it. It was something like mm, that. That feels a little bit too good to me. Was Funky Kong in that movie, Matthew? Ah, uh, lots of Kongs were in it. Cranky yeah. Kong, what? Like an old Kong was. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Diddy Kong, I'm was, assuming. 
there was an old Kong, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's absolutely you know. Well, I know all of these are just pulling out my ass, but um, hmm. you know. That's the that's the kind of thing I would have bollocks on about in Endgamer if that's still a thing. <laughs> well, I suppose the the other thing that I I kind of think about is that when they did Kirby in the Forgotten Land, that felt like an elevation of Kirby a little bit. Like right. let's do something, let's do a big signature game with this character who's not like been sort of like waiting in the wings or anything, but where maybe you just take it to that next level when it seems more exciting, it becomes a bigger deal and. Maybe it's been it's been a little while now since it's been a, a Donkey Kong something like that. Yeah, I suppose the only thing I'd say to pour a bit of cold water on that is the the film thing might be because they're thinking about film spinoffs rather than like game spinoffs, you know. Um, but yeah, the design of it may also just be well, we we we're going to build a thing, you know. We our next theme park is going to be Donkey Kong themed. I just think that that's a little odd, hmm. you know that. They've had this huge Mario Kingdom, and I wouldn't then go, the next thing you'd do, if you were to build another Nintendo theme park, would I go all in on Donkey Kong? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they have, and there's, I don't know, maybe they're, try, like, maybe they're just laying the foundation for Donkey Kong being a bigger presence going forward. Okay, interesting. I, do, I quite like that one. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, yeah. That's I, probably well... my best, most thought out prediction <laughs> so you're setting the bar low for the rest of them basically yes <laughs> okay so my fourth prediction is death stranding 2 is the big sony exclusive game for the year along with a full sequel to astro's playroom but ghost of tsushima 2 is also announced this year uh this is based on nothing at all putting this out of my ass but death stranding 2 is something we know exists i think it kind of makes sense that they would that Kojima Productions would get this out the door before they switch focus to that uh, the thing they announced last year, which I can't remember the name of. Was it, was it BD? Some of the it was the thing that's got uh, Hunter Schaefer and um, Sophia Lillis yeah, in it. And Jordan Peele's. Yeah, that's it. So whatever that is, a Jeremy Peele, uh, Jeremy <laughs> Master of Horror, Jeremy Peele. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's uh, so yeah. So the um, yeah, like I say, I think that. Death Stranding 2 in theory, I mean, like, that's a, you know, it's a big project, but they have also, it's, I think it's been five years this year since the original came out, mm. so this would seem to be, like, a big sequel they can do. I still find the idea that this game would have a sequel to be quite interesting, like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it seemed like quite a singular, it reminded me of, you know, it's a bit like Ueda's games on PlayStation, where you're like, oh, I guess this is just a kind of, like, funky, sort of, like, weird one-off that gets a lot of attention then he kind of moves yeah. on to something else but the fact there is a sequel is it's quite interesting we don't see much pretty... of it but i could see this being a thing this year yeah yeah i mean it, it's pretty it's pretty conclusive as stories go the first one as well which is which is strange but yeah i mean that that makes sense um i must admit one of my other predictions was uh was we get a full astro bot game so the <laughs> sequel to astro's playroom uh, so i think we're both you know thinking along similar lines there um yeah. yeah which i i would be you know that's probably the thing i'd be most excited for if if sony did announce just in terms of i thought astro's playroom you know while quite a small little thing was um you know beautifully made and constructed about as you know good a uh, you know high polished uh, and a non-nintendo 3d platformer as there's been in the last 10 years so yeah, absolutely amazing packing, and like, yeah, yeah, just a full game with that level of imagination would be very welcome. It would also be cool to just have 
a game like that on a Sony platform that doesn't have um, isn't necessarily a Sackboy related game, you know, or Ratchet and Clank, yeah, something yeah. A, little, a little bit different. So uh, yeah, I think that um, that kind of makes sense. So yes, yeah, so I'm glad we're uh, united on that one, Matthew. What do you think about Ghost of Tsushima too? That that game, that original game, is four years old this year. So you know, you would expect that. You know, they're probably making a sequel to it. It was a big success. Any thoughts on that one? It's been quite locked down, given how kind of leaky a lot of things have been. Hmm. No one's really heard anything from Sucker Punch. You would think, based on the the model of how things work and when you have a successful game, Sony tend to make a sequel to it, that this would be a thing that would happen. Yeah, so uh, yes, we'll see how that goes. So Matthew, what's your next prediction? My next prediction is something we t- we've sort of talked about or theorised about before, um, which is a Resident Evil 1 uh, well, I put a Resident Evil 1 and 0 remake revealed, as Ooh. in a game which brings together those two experiences. I don't know if Resident Evil 1 is maybe like substantial enough for a, a story and a game to to do like a Resident Evil 2 style redo of, but I think if you mash together parts of 1 and 0, um, a bit like they did in uh, Umbrella Chronicles, hmm. um, that that would make sense. Yeah, like uh, basically, you know, I, I just think that I still think this is this f- seems more likely to me a continuation of their of their remake path than five. That's mainly because I just can't see what they do with five. Maybe, maybe we disagree on this, but you know, one of the most iconic locations ever already has a beautiful remake. Yes, but I could just see the excitement of being in that house and seeing it up close with that kind of more free camera a an announcement trailer which all you need is is shots of rooms from that house and that zombie head turn and then people go nuts you know i could just see that i i can almost see the promotional campaign for it better than the game itself a bit of a moonlight sonata uh, as well like on the uh yeah that's the thing you know you could see that at the end of a game awards or something kind of like we've got one more thing for you and then you see like yeah moonlight like so moonlight sonata extreme close-ups of like photorealistic plates on that dining room table like lightning or rain against the window you know very close-up shots so you can't quite see what the house is and then you have that zombie head and everyone's like fucking resident evil yeah <laughs> yeah i think that that so i think that's quite likely I, whether that happened this year or not i'm not sure like one of the mm. rumors was um code veronica was next which right i think that the only source for that was like 4chan or something but um i think that I think what we have learned from the success of these games is that they could just do all of them and people would buy all of them. People are just up for this. You know, they just... Resident Evil's cachet is extremely high and people worship those old games, but they are cumbersome to go back to um, for most people and for, for new players especially. So I think that just giving people those new ways in is is yeah. okay. I mean, it's been it's not like they're cashing in. It, it, you know, this is like a 20... Two-year-old remake at this point, the um the GameCube one. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's okay. Um, and this yeah. is this is definitely the most iconic one left to remake. Yeah, like anything else is kind of interesting and cool, but it's you know based off a game which is like less loved or less well known, and you know maybe they don't want to follow up four, which is another just like knockout punch. Like, well, you're obviously gonna dig this. Yeah. You know, maybe you you put some lesser games between four and one so that you can kind of you know you 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 can almost bank one for like instant fan appreciation 
Yeah. So, so you don't need to blow it. You know, it, that is already riding high because of four. Yeah, Code Veronica is pretty cool. When I, I played it last year for that um, moments episode we did, and I did really like it. But it's quite. Um, I think it's I hard. It's hard to picture in my mind's eye like how how that's translated and right. and like what's, just because what's the teaser trailer at the Game Awards. What one image gets you to go? Oh shit! It's Code Veronica. Uh gosh, what is that? Do I even like? There's like a boss fight in the fog, which is pretty cool. But I think like it'd probably be like um, Chris uh, fighting Wesker in. Um, it's like a bit where like Wesker's running up walls and like Matrix style, and Chris is trying to shoot him. That's pretty good. But there's a lot more of that in five, I guess. So that's kind of yeah. like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I, maybe I didn't get far enough into Code Veronica to identify that. But I think that's what I picked up on in the episode is that because it was a, a Dreamcast game and then it was a PS2 game, I think it's like technically one of the worst selling Resident Evils, and therefore it probably has the least cultural cachet right. because of that. So. You can't picture in your mind's eye as readily, whereas, um, yeah, whereas obviously like Resi, Resi 3, everyone was kind of like pretty much, oh yeah, Nemesis, Stars, all that stuff. So, um, mm. yeah, I don't know if Code Veronica has that because it's maybe a bit more splintered in terms of the audience, but I don't know, they could prove me wrong. Also, the other thing was, um, I made this point too, but it was the ways they use the like new gen sort of like real-time lighting and stuff that makes that game kind of special. And right. certainly like the first like chunk of the game, if you like remove that, it's just a behind-the-shoulder sort of thing i don't know if it's mega distinctive as resis go it might just be a bit more it might feel like more of the same unless you do something radical with it so Mm. the other thing is um i think they could go the ff7 route with um with five and that's i I think we hinted at this before when we discussed Mm. four but four's ending i think does change a couple of things like i think it sort of suggests that maybe i was right i can't remember exactly what happened here but you have to play separate ways as well because that's got some wesker stuff in it but it's sort of like i got the impression that they were teeing up the events of five but in a way where it was not going to be exactly the same so i could see them do some kind of like five but then it's got like a maybe like a weird symbol in the in the title or something and then it's like uh (laughs) and it's like a a new take on five because they don't want to do the slightly problematic version of five so um, yeah Um, and then they can avoid them avoid going into six as well because no one's dying to i don't think anyone's dying for those games to be remade as is just because they are you can play them now and they're still pretty they still feel pretty contemporary they certainly look pretty contemporary because they're such nice looking games at the time so yeah yeah definitely something with resi this year yeah capcom's big thing at the moment is dragon's dogma 2 isn't it which um that looks really fucking great actually like all the footage i've seen of that that looks pretty special we should um maybe we should do an episode about that this year matthew Mm. that might be cool play the first one a little bit okay good prediction i like that one so mm. my next one uh let's think i already did the nintendo switch 2 one. Oh, that's it um 360 backwards compatibility briefly returns as the transformers games uh wolfenstein 2009 and cult favorite singularity return on xbox series x and s so i think it was xbox's sarah bond who just tweeted out the um 360 logo at the end of last year and so it was a bit of maybe a bit of a tease of stuff to come. It makes sense with the Activision deal closing that um, something like this could come along. So maybe she just had it on her phone, like as a recent image, and she butt posted <laughs> it. Like I am, I am only ever like a butt accident away from posting the picture of guy from Borgen on Twitter. Which is <laughs> <laughs> now your um, profile picture on Discord. I noted, which is uh, yeah. So uh, you good. know, that's there, there's a bit of that going on. Maybe yeah. this is her Borgen man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've got no idea about this, but I think this was um, this came up because Hasbro were asked about 
the Transformers games that were on. They were quite well regarded on 360. The, I think it was Fall of Cybertron and War for Cybertron. I think those two mm. were the ones that people liked. So those, I don't know if the, uh, the <laughs> I don't have the Born conspiracy will come back. I'm not sure about that one, but um, either way, it'd be cool to see some more 360 games on Xbox. So uh, any thoughts on that one, Matthew? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into that. You know, you'd hope that them having this library would would you know give them some new avenues to pursue i mean it, it leads nicely into one of my later predictions which i can do now um which was uh, rather boringly every xbox call of duty is re-released on game pass bringing a huge re-evaluation of infinite warfare and lots of work for jeremy peel yep i like that one that's good i did i did ponder similar ones they're all they're all pretty much available to to actually like play backwards compatible but just yeah. not on um not on game pass so yeah i just think uh, yeah. for them to go like you have all of call of duty now here it is <laughs> you know that's obviously that feels like a that would have been a classic e3 conference beat um yeah. and now it'll just be whatever they do is it is there's i can't remember if there's is the sort of phil spencer standing in a void or if he's still doing them from his office at home those kind of covid sort of reworkings but it'll be more like that <laughs> yeah so i uh <laughs> that will be a good day though when all that activision stuff hits game yeah, pass yeah. like it's you know sekiro will presumably be in that bunch that's uh you know more people playing that is no bad thing um yeah so I'm, I'm excited was that activision <laughs> it was i wonder if that will get excavated i really like it if that if that was because it would be um be quite fun it'd be quite fun to just see some of those because they did quite a lot of marvel games activision didn't they so you got like deadpool and <laughs> yes. ultimate alliance and things like that so could be some fun oddities that um they, that make they could the, do a uh, remake and call it wolverine excavated edition with a big x <laughs> now you're getting bonus predictions and there'd be a big um, papier mache wolverine head on the cover matthew so uh that's good okay so what's your next prediction my next prediction is uh uh uh, uh oh well it's, it's actually quite similar to that last one xbox will revive tony hawk pro skater uh, with a three and four remake. Oh, that would be so good. I'd love that. Yeah, just one and two did such a good job. You know, everyone loved it, critically acclaimed, but it obviously, you know, that's a studio that could be put to better use making a thousand gun skins or whatever for uh, Warzone. So no Tony Hawks from them. But, you know, they've Xbox have been a bit better at this kind of stuff and... You know, that, uh, considering some of the like the random shit that they have brought back in the past, like yeah. fucking Voodoo Vince, um, <laughs> uh, you know, Phil, Phil Spence I think understands the power of of like sometimes like doing doing one just for the fans. Oh yeah, um, and the kind of goodwill it buys you, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah not that. I think this. I think that will that will be where the sea change happens. Is my guess. Like, as they get like StarCraft three off the ground, and you know, just these things that have maybe been gestating that people are like, who people really like the idea of. Um, I think like he's big on wearing like Hexen shirt, isn't he? So maybe you'll see like a bunch <laughs> of old Activision FPS games. What if your your guy, um, your guys at Soldier Fortune two, um, Raven? What if they get that back on the uh, on Game Pass, Matthew? That'd be phenomenal bit of a reevaluation of um of a problematic phase <laughs> there are some there are some games from there that i don't think can come back <laughs> oh uh so yeah i i think that's um that's a good shout like that, that tony hawk remaster is so so good oh it's re- full remake isn't it it's just mm. like it really does sort of scratch the same itch and you realize that it's got the same you know the 
the same tale in terms of like the appeal that it used to have it wasn't it didn't feel like a, a novel blast in the past it was like a blast in the past of like oh no remember this game type it's really really good and they did such a good job with it so um mm. yeah i'd like to see that that'd be cool so um okay matthew i like that suggestion so the cursed alternative is loads <laughs> more crash bandicoot <laughs> yeah toys for bob what are toys for bob doing that's what reddit's always discussing well What's... they're probably like please let us make more crash bandicoot you know a labor of love for us rather than <laughs> you know make us design more jeeps for Warzone. they're like less fun more jeeps get back to the jeep mines you motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> a very nuanced take there on the uh... <laughs> <laughs> on game development. You wouldn't get that from off. Dean Takahashi on Venture Beat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. With that in mind, let's move on to my next prediction. Those long-delayed ports of Twilight Princess HD and Wind Waker HD finally come to Switch as a platform nears the end of its life. I think we're kind of getting into that um, sort of like, you know, sort of like last stretch, let's get a bunch of old stuff onto the platform, uh, sort of like stuff going on. But Thousand Year Door feels a bit like this, Matthew, where it's like, you know what can what will still get people excited and buying games in 2023 while you know obviously not necessarily being the heavy hitters that people are waiting for and let's face it like these are these games are done on wii u they are just waiting to be put on switch and that's it's as simple as that really um thoughts on this matthew i i was laughing at my dean takahashi joke and i missed the very first bit of this production <laughs> Okay, great. Um, so those, the Zelda games. Yes, those long delayed <laughs> ports. How l- loudly were you laughing at your own joke during that? <laughs> you cut out my audio. That's amazing. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, that's. I just missed the word. That's all. I was. I was like, is this Xenoblade X? Is this? I was just reverse engineering what it could be. No, so Tw- Twilight Princess HD and Wind Waker HD. Oh yeah, I mean, long thought to be finished. You're right. Just release them. Just release them already. Let us all get excited for two days, give them stupid scores on Metacritic, and then move on. <laughs> Cheeky 95, 96. Cheeky uh, 95, yeah. 96 from the dweebs. And, uh, <laughs> I love the idea of you calling other Nintendo fans dweebs. That's, like, very rich. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yes, okay, good. Well, it seems like we're agreed on that one. That just has to happen at some point. Like, it's weird that they, they would only remaster Skyward Sword in this generation. That would be quite odd, wouldn't it? To just do that one and then yeah. no others. But, and uh, I've seen, like, now the narrative's changing to if anything that's expected that hasn't happened. People are like, they holding this back for Switch 2? And you're like, I just don't know what you would gain from it. Like, we kind of know what those things are going to be. Yeah. You know, like, I think they would run on Switch fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it ran on, you know, like they, they ran on Wii U fine. That's the thing. Like they were that, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just, just do it. Just do it. Yeah, such a lovely looking thing, Wind Wake HD. It, um, yeah, people just deserve to have that in their hands at some point, I think. Um, okay, so what's your next prediction, Matthew? I believe a game from Tetsuya Takahashi's past, so that's Mr. Xenoblade, is revived. Um, mm. Bit vague whether this is uh, Xenogears from Square Enix which is one of their cherished RPGs which just hasn't been touched or anything has been done with basically since the original version and given their just incredible appetite for remakes over at Square Enix that seems odd to me less likely is he takes sort of a you know he takes another swing at one of his great sort of like uh, unfinished sort of op- opuses, op- opi, opuses, <laughs> one of his other projects. Uh, Xena Saga. I mean, this is based, this is tenuous as shit, but 
at the end of the the future redeemed the xenoblade 3 dlc there are some quite hefty nods to like the wider xeno universe right uh and the idea that xenoblade exists as part of as part of this world which also splinters off to become xenosaga and xenogears and i don't think nintendo could you know my dream the best thing would be they redo xenogears he does it with Nintendo, but I don't know why a PlayStation thing would become a Nintendo thing. I can't quite sort of see the, see the route to that. Um, but some of his other things, maybe I just I feel like I feel like that's a really competent studio, and there's clearly like a fondness for his past work. There's a love for some of it from the fans. There's still like a nostalgia or an interest in it from him himself. Um, this is probably quite unlikely because why would you redo something which is already kind of proven to not really be of much interest to people? Like you know, Xenosaga is 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 a proven is a provably niche thing. Um, yeah, I, but I I don't know. I just I feel like his past work his past work should be renewed or reevaluated in a way. Yeah, I think that I think the most likely outcome of this is Xenogears redone in that Chrono Cross uh, Tactics Ogre, sort of like, you know, FF8, FF9, sort of like yeah. redos for Switch and other formats we've seen in recent years. Yeah. Because like, you know, they they have been they have been seemingly tackling like that sort of PS1 generation of games a little bit more. Um I think like one that was in the leak by nvidia that hasn't come to pass yet is ff tactics so i think that might happen first like um that one um but they've um i think they could they would get to this uh, they still make a uh, xenogears merch um square Enix does so oh, right. it would suggest it's got a bit of a long tail in terms of its cult appeal so i could see that being the one the reason i don't think it would be xenosaga is because i think that's a is that a konami game I th- or is it uh, Nam- namco, namco bandai isn't it? okay well okay yeah if it's namco that is actually like they've done like bad and kaitos haven't they so you would think that that's actually like reasonably plausible so mm. yeah okay um yeah i yeah i i think that's probably quite likely these are i, the I was of... just trying to think of something to talk about <laughs> <laughs> let's just move on then before we um before we go any further with that one so uh my one is again pulled out of my ass the creators of ftl and into the breach subset games unveil a new game and it becomes an immediate game of the year contender mm. so we must be getting close to when they'd be re- revealing their new thing i think it was 2018 into the breach so you know like a good six years ago they have done an advanced edition of it obviously that you can play on um all formats but um i can't see that being the only thing they've they've done in that time i i expect they've got something else i think they are quite big on taking their time and making sure they make something good it's like a you yeah know, functionally a two-person studio i think but um i this is again just a complete a complete shot in the dark but feels like about time to me i think it's about i thought you were gonna guess what the game was gonna be about there that was that would be <laughs> the wildest prediction ever <laughs> so there's six years between ftl and um and into the breach and it's six years between into the breach and now which is what makes me think this um this might happen so yeah that's my that's my punt matthew but you know when we talk about these kind of like I guess like blockbuster indie devs, like the people who make these like all games that are always mega successful. They're the ones who I'm probably I'm always the most excited about just to see what they they've been doing because you know they're interested in genres and I'm interested in strategy and uh, tactics and you know with with lovely pixel art and great music. It's you know they they are very dependable. I just love to mm. see what they're working on. So uh, any thoughts on that one? 
I also want to play whatever that team comes up with next. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe um, because I've been playing a bit of uh, the old Cobalt Core, um, maybe this has just put the um, this developer back in my brain because um, obviously there is a, a you know a hefty amount of FTL in that game's uh, structure. Mm. So yes, what's your next one, Matthew? My next one is. Uh... You can sort of see my mental through line with a lot of these, how one has inspired the next one. Um, thinking about uh, Xenogears and Square Enix, maybe think uh, that Square Enix will give uh, a second remake treatment to Dragon Quests 4, 5 and 6, um, which were so lovingly handled on the DS, but kind of perfectly aimed at the DS level. Uh, I think they'll get uh, the 2.5 kind of remake treatment. I think they'll be next on the list. If you're going to do it for Star Ocean, do it for fucking Dragon Quest, which maybe more of us care about. Are they doing it for Star Ocean? The um, That style they did Octopath Traveler? Well, yeah, the, the one that came out this year, the Star Ocean, what was it called? Two, oh, I miss that. Two R, R or... I miss that. I don't know they gave it the safe treatment. That's quite appealing. Those games really do look nice. I got I had the Live Alive one, which um a game I didn't think was amazing to be honest, but the uh the style yeah, is, but like, is but that's it. I, I like the process which they when they put games through that and and you know, they, they rather than just the kind of, you know, H D kind of pixel remasters which always think look a bit rank, um, I much rather something that kind of sort of properly updates it. Um, I went with Dragon Quest 4, 5 and 6 just because those are the ones I'm most familiar with because of the DS and that's when their stories start getting a bit better and they're just very, very compelling games. Yeah, I'd love that. I think that'd be um, that'd be fantastic. It's sort of like, because the pixel remasters for Final Fantasy are so good, it does feel like there's no rush really to do FF4 and 6, which would be the obvious ones from that bunch. Right. Um, Chrono Trigger would be a really good shout for this, I think. That's like... You know, it's one game, not like a series of games. Uh, there's a, a lot of pixel art in there, but I think it's, you know, got a lot of potential. Uh, but yeah, Dragon Quest, you know, they have, I think they have been focusing more on the sort of Squaresoft side, but it would be nice for them to fl- switch focus because I agree. It'd be, a, again, a great way to, it feels like they're always trying to build Dragon Quest into something the West cares about. And the best way to do that is to give people access to the best the best that each of these series has to offer. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think that'd be a good one, Matthew. I like that prediction. That's uh, mm. neat. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do like the three line. Um, of the, what is he thinking? That's what that's what I think every time you give me a prediction in this episode. <laughs> well, that's uh, it. Yeah, I thought Square Enix, and I thought, what else is good from Square Enix? <laughs> yeah, fair. All right, uh, you might like this one. Um, so, uh, Metroid gets its own Nintendo Direct this year with a full unveiling of Metroid Prime 4, as well as the news that Metroid Dread 2 is in the works from our guys at Mercury Steam. So, again, Metroid Prime 4, long... We know this game exists, um, long gestating. Would love to see it. Uh, Could be that it's coming to the, um, you know, the, the next Switch. That's probably quite likely at this point. But in any case, I think that it surely... A dead cert that there is a Metroid Dread 2 that, ex- that is coming, right? Because that first game, phenomenally successful, completely like, you know, reawakened the, the commercial prospects of Metroid. Mm. I think that, that, that the pairing of Metroid Dread with that Metroid remaster, I think just it just shows that like people, obviously Metroidvania becomes like, like such a huge genre across, you know, basically like across every platform it's now like uh you know it's a very prominent indie genre the idea of like you know the masters coming back and reclaiming it i i like that narrative um mm. but i think the idea of metro being big enough to get 
its own like live stream with a bunch of cool stuff in it. That'd be pretty cool, I think. So that's a mm. bit of a bold prediction. But what do you think of that one, Matthew? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm into it. I dig it. Um, <laughs> yeah, be great, please. Yes, please. I'd love more. Yeah, Metroid Dread or that than you know the next game in that lineage, Metroid Prime Four. Yeah, I don't know. But Metroid Prime Four, like, it'd be cool if it happens. But also, I just, I just wonder if it's so far removed from from like what we loved or the initial buzz or the excitement you know maybe it's just a a thing of its time and like i'm not pinning any big hopes on metroid prime 4 being some um, some like amazing life-changing thing yeah weirdly i'm more excited about the idea of more 2d metroid you know yeah 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 i'm not sure why that is but uh yeah maybe it's it's been so long yeah you know dread dread was just so good and just felt so nice and yeah, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. We'd want more of that. I just yeah. think, like, Metro Prime... You know, it wasn't like Metro Prime 3 was, like, a masterpiece or anything. You know, it was already a series sort of in, de- in decline from Metroid Prime 1. Yeah. Um, which is the best one. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, contemporising it is a bit of a challenge, really, isn't it? It's um, Yeah. And, and, and the yeah. one that they're clearly struggling with, the fact that it's changed hands and... I'm not saying that like good game design is inevitable. I know that's not true, but at the same time, just the the sheer length of it and the fact that it's had such a hard ride would suggest that it's not obvious or easy, like what necessarily is the what they're meant to be doing with it. But well, that's it, because the specific alchemy of it is quite unusual, really. It's it's as much a kind of like a puzzle adventure as it is a first person shooter, and so mm. they're quite hard to make and to get the balance right is is quite tricky so if you have a game that's got a lot of like set pieces in it does that not quite feel right you know like how do you get the flow of the world right so you can sort of wander from like a lava area to an ice area pretty seamlessly without it seeming weird which in 2d kind of makes sense and the magic trick of prime is that it does that those transitions so well between parts of that world but Mm. um yeah it's sort of like doing that in the modern age might be that might be quite complicated to to figure out how do you replicate that balance without it being just a carbon copy of what metro prime is it's a very particular um challenge i think for whoever's designing that so uh, i think the solution to that is you're in an icy room there's a door you shoot it the door opens and then you're in a lavery room that's how (laughs) that's how that's gonna work (laughs) okay good that's uh, the gdd sorted out there well done matthew i look forward to reading your confluence pages um as you lead development on metro prime 4 so that's uh that's good okay what's your next prediction um, carrying over uh, one of mine from last year where I predicted that there was going to be a... I don't know if you remember, in 2022 is when we had the... Here's all the Silent Hill stuff we're making, which then like vanished off the face of the earth. Quite a weird PR campaign to announce all that stuff and then not talk about any of it, bar the sort of disastrous thing that they released, that, that, like, that streaming thing that I don't really understand that they did at the end of the year and everyone said it was terrible. Like instant momentum for for Silent Hill, instantly squandered. But and I so I predicted that a similar thing was going to happen for Castlevania. I thought they were going to go, look, here's all this Castlevania shit we're working on, and that didn't happen last year. But I still think uh, there is there is Castlevania to come. Maybe not in as big a way as as that Silent Hill. Um, like the really obvious thing, and my prediction is that. Um, the developers of Dead Cells, who obviously did the Castlevania DLC uh, for Dead Cells, I think that may have been a test run for them doing just a, a Castlevania game. They've talked about signing up to do third-party IP 
like from other other studios and that's their next big project and i'd be amazed if after the strength of what they did with dead cells uh that wasn't like the, the next 2d castlevania a funny thing is that like i think that dead cells is maybe like as popular as castlevania ever was it's got 123,000 steam reviews like it's, yeah there, yes uh, yeah so yeah maybe this is this, well, is, no, this is totally wrong but like well, no but they might be passionate enough about it that they're like yeah we'll have a run at it and like you say the test run theory makes sense so yeah and the th- you know money to you know that someone else's money to be thrown at something you know yeah, they've got. Uh, I think they've got a game called Windblown coming out. Is that right? Uh, there's. Uh, it's like coming into Steam early access. But uh, anyway, that's. Um, yeah, I could still. The thing which is confusing with Dead Cells is there's a team that made it kind of split into another team that's like we're not going to do Dead Cells, we're going to go off, and then the team that was left kind of was created to sort of specifically like shepherd and look after Dead Cells. Right. Okay. It's quite odd. So, mate, I think sometimes there's like you can read stuff about the creators of Dead Cells, and it's actually two separate studios doing different things. Yeah, this is like how there's um there's like 19 studios who are like made up of former CD Projekt Red developers. You know what I mean? There's like <laughs> they're all making they're all making different stuff, and they're uh, all from the makers of uh, yeah Cyberpunk, yeah, comes, the Witcher this 3. game, and it's like I played a bongo drum on the soundtrack. And like, <laughs> all right, great. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Lots of uh, devs' uh, contributions to a market. Sorry, I don't mean to sneer come. at the bongo drum player for Cyberpunk. <laughs> the bongo drum player. I only that that's a that's a real throwback. There was years ago. Maybe it was like when Kickstarter. What was the first thing on Kickstarter that really exploded? Uh gosh, I can't really remember. Broken was Age. Broken Age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In in the rush afterwards, loads of people were trying to get games off the thing. I, I just remember this thing where a guy was like, from the makers of Donkey Kong Country Returns, this team of people are making this, are pitching this platformer on Kickstarter, and the connection to two retro studios was as a guy who had who'd played like. You know, I, if I say he played the clarinet, you're going to think that I'm doing a bit because it was your dad or whatever. Right. Uh, but <laughs> it was it was literally like a session musician on Donkey Kong Country Returns right. was involved with it, and they were using that as their. This is from the makers of Donkey Kong Country Returns. Sorry, that was a very long, boring explanation of why I said bongo drums. I don't want you to think I was being dismissive of musicians. <laughs> and, and that uh, musician on the bongo drums had a papier mache head on. Uh, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. That's the end of the. <laughs> podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all connected <laughs> okay let's move on then um very good <laughs> this got wi- good <laughs> this episode's got a wild weird energy to it i don't know what's what's happened really um i think it's just early january are things really going to be okay kind of feeling to it all right I've done, okay. yeah i've done two days of work which were both like slightly hectic so I, i've got like a oh no i'm doomed for the uh, energy <laughs> yeah and i've uh, I, I haven't started my new job yet so i've yeah. got my sort of like uh, nerves etc so yes a bit of that going on maybe okay my next one then um ubisoft star wars game slips to 2025 uh, that's outlaws the uh, open world game but that's okay because we'll get the splinter cell remake this year so this was something that was announced in 2022, um, the old Splinter Cell remake. I think it would be very welcome because people really like that series, and you know it's got a lot of uh, yeah, like a it's, even after all these years, it's been like more than 10 years since they released uh, Blacklist, the last one. People are just still up for it, and I think the idea of that series coming back would be really cool. At the same time, I think like the um, it's unclear when 
Ubisoft started making that Star Wars game, but they only announced a deal for it at the start of 2021. So to turn around this big open world game in that in that time period is is quite tight. It was like revealed this week in a, a blog post from Disney that it was coming in 2024, but. I guess it's moving back a little bit. Maybe the extra runway might be good. They released an Avatar game in December, and it felt like it was very much like right at the the tail end of like a really long release cycle of stuff. So mm. uh, this is just my prediction, anyway. Um, I've got no um, no insider knowledge of this, obviously, but just a just a feeling that that Star Wars game might not be as close as it seems like it is. Thoughts, Matthew? Bit Pierce Harding Tubby rolls <laughs> uh, for, for my liking. But, uh, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> okay, good. Well, let's just move on to your next one, then. We must be near the end of your ones, right? I've only got one left. Oh, yeah, perfect, then, yeah. Yes. Uh... <laughs> what a disaster pod. <laughs> oh, I'm going out on a high. Uh, Nintendo continue their 99 series of online battling games. With Rhythm Heaven 99. Mm. 99 people playing an increasingly demented rhythm game until they've dropped out. I just, I could picture in my head, like, you know, the, the monkeys with the tambourines, or the tap dancing monkeys, or the one with all the chickens are like marching time, all the little birds, and the camera keeps zooming out and out, just with like 99 people. Maybe it's because I played a bit of that Headbangers, which is like a battle royale rhythm game. But I was trying to think of what what was the silliest Nintendo franchise that you could turn into a battle royale, and uh, Rhythm Heaven is my is what I've got. That's my grand finale to this episode. <laughs> Have we ever talked down a pod more in like real time? No, than this, this, one? this has been good. I just I think I threw myself by telling that story about the Donkey Kong Country <laughs> Returns Bongo player. <laughs> myself uh, um, yeah so uh oh gosh um so i like the idea of this the, the way you read it out had the energy of when a like uh, a listener sends in a letter we're not quite sure about like when you were like it's 99 people doing this i was like oh, that's quite funny just the way you said it just reminded me the intonation just reminded me of that a little bit um yeah i mean i'd like that i certainly it's pretty cool they've kept this series going i mean that would be the most high concept one they could do but i mean <laughs> i guess like you're probably only being half serious with that pitch aren't you matthew so it's, uh... I do struggle to think other games they've done where you could do like 99 people in a big like mad maximalist version of it. I mean, they did Pac-Man, which wasn't technically there, so I don't know why you couldn't do like 99 Bomberman or something. Yeah, oh, that Bomberman's a really good show, actually. What an absolute fucking chaos that would be, actually. <laughs> like, be like Bomberman all at once. <laughs> Just like four on the screen was like enough for pure chaos in yeah. the um, Snake's Mega Drive day- days. But yeah, uh, I like that. That's good. Um, okay, Bomberman's well, I hope probably happens. more likely than Rhythm Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Rhythm Heaven, just like I just imagine a cacophony of noises as everyone gets it fucking wrong, basically. But um, what about what about ninety nine WarioWare? Oh gosh, what would ha- which one would you do? Like it's, I mean, what would happen in, in WarioWare ninety nine? Because the games get faster and faster as everyone's dropping out, and it's like how long? It's just how many WarioWare games can you do? Oh yeah, you just have to survive for as long as possible, and then you just yeah, you see. Like Fall Guys style, you see people like just disappear yeah. from the side. That would be, I actually love that idea. Yeah, and it just keeps going. The idea is as well, it's like it's 99 uh, mini games. So you actually have to survive for 99 of those uh, <laughs> micro games to get to the, to actually like, you know, it, that's how long the game can go on for basically before <laughs> yes. there's like a tiebreaker round. So uh, yeah, I'd love that. That's like War of Attrition, Hunger Games style um, approach to it. Uh, War of Attrition, yes. Okay, good. Um, that's a nice prediction there. Um, yeah. 
So uh, I think like this is a bit of a is this a little bit of a softball one? Maybe a little bit. But um, so Sega's new versions of Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio released this year, and they're considered really rather good. And this kicks off a big the Dreamcast era is back narrative for uh, for Sega because they are, um, they seem to be digging into their older series here, and in, in a way that like I don't think anyone was expecting because they all kind of like do remind people of like the. Um, dreamcast days where they were struggling mm. a bit commercially and yet and um, they have really doubled down on this there seem to be quite a lot of them um but i've got i've just got a feeling that people are going to have the appetite for crazy taxi and jet set radio in particular and then that combined with like a strong uh like a dragon year i think uh, infinite wealth has got the whiff of like that's going to be the big game that that studio's made in the last few years that'll be the one that you know again like maybe raises the profile of that series just got a feeling mm. it's going to be a good Sega year, man. That's my kind of like mm. general take here. Thoughts, Matthew? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But that announcement of we're secretly remaking all of our back catalogue, sort of major big hitters, yeah, was was really surprising. I um, and a really weird way of doing it. Like, probably probably was the 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 big. No one could have seen it coming. Surprise of the Game Awards. That was that was really cool. Um, mm. I would question the sense of like Golden Axe being in the mix. <laughs> you know, you see a bit of that, and you're like, oh, who wants that? Really? Well, there's a, there's a like, lot of games that are like that. You can play on different platforms. That's the thing, like hack and slash kind of co-op games. You know? Yeah, so, uh, I just yeah. don't know what a like next gen version of that is. That's of any interest to anyone, really. Oh. Um, Do you ever you play know, PS3 so, Golden Axe, Matthew? That was rough. The slightly uh, DMC-ish one. It was quite a bumpy ride, that. But you know. Yeah, but this has similar kind of, you know, already similar energy to it. Where, like, you know, let's make a really beautiful Shinobi game, you know, 2D... That that seems that seems smart. That looks that looks quite way forwardy to me. I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if way forward were involved. Well, we with know that. how you feel about those. So yeah, uh... you can um, take a drink, Simon Park, <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, kind of like an interesting project, but also mad to like announce so many games so vaguely all at once. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for the penny to drop where they were going to go, and they're all inside a Fortnite-style meta game or something like that. And yeah. but then no, they're all actual. They seem to be all actual games that are coming out, single games. So uh, yeah, yeah. It reminded uh, like it reminded me a bit actually of when they announced the platinum deal and they were like here's all these games we're making with platinum yeah and yeah. it seemed you were just like holy shit this is really exciting for like a year uh <laughs> it had like maybe this is just whoever there's like a marketing guy sega who's really big on the let's do it all at once really quickly it'd be exciting well i suppose um, that the other thing is that these games are they hail from an era where game budgets were a lot smaller so theoretically it shouldn't cost as much to make a crazy taxi as it does to make a you know like a Star Wars Outlaws. That's a dumb example. Yeah. I'm really sorry, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Like these, these feel like they could be mid-budget things. Like in theory, you shouldn't have to. It shouldn't cost you, you know, like fifty million plus to make a crazy taxi game. That should be a smaller project. You would hope, and cut, then yeah, cut forward three years to Sega is now closing after it was revealed Golden Axe is the most expensive video game ever made. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, how how these fare commercially, I've got no idea. But I do like it as a as a wild punt, and it's it's just cool. It's just cool to see them. I'm like, yeah, I play another yeah. Jetson. I play a Crazy Taxi. You know, it's, it does, yeah, it does empower all the Dreamcast heads, which is like, you know, a bit of a I know tough you hate, break. I know you hate to do that. Yeah, that's tough. So. Um, 
Okay. You know, they're all going to be like, mm. we're going to have to talk about these games and remind everyone how little I know about Dreamcast, which sucks. Yeah, but you can talk about fucking Crazy Taxi. It's not like rocket science, is it? It's a pretty straightforward um, thing to discuss. But uh, yes, um, we'll, we'll <laughs> suffer through it with Ashley Day anyway when he comes on the pod yeah. later this month. Okay, last one then. Um, Matthew keeps delaying the Game Boy draft episode until <laughs> December when it finally happens and he thinks he's fucked it in round one. So... Yeah, I'm trying to get Matthew to do more draft episodes has proven quite difficult. Like he's <laughs> he's not really up for it in the way you would hope because draft episodes <laughs> are meant to be quite light touch. You pick ten games and then we move on and it's and everyone has a good time. But now they've become like like Matthew's writing one of those fucking bitmap books on like each platform, so he's got to play every single game ever released before we do the draft. Would you like to explain yourself, Matthew? I mean, it's it's basically that. No, it's just that when we're on when we're on. Uh... Uh, Nintendo territory, uh, you know, I have to bring my A game, and uh, I'm just a bit patchier on ga- you know Game Boy and Game Boy Advance. There's not not things I go back to. Yeah, it's just, I just need to do a bit more. I need to do a bit more work. That's all. Yeah, in, in some ways as well, that's going to be quite intensive because I think we're going to have to do 20 games for that one um, because it's just it's three platforms technically the combined, isn't it? Yes. So, it's going to be quite an up. What about PS One draft? Can we do that one a bit sooner? That's just ten games. As a you know a Nintendo person, I don't really care anything. Anything non Nintendo, I feel no shame if I fuck it because <laughs> it's like, well, what did you think was going to happen? PS One would be a disaster for me, <laughs> but okay. I, I can do it. We let's do, do it. That. Let's do it in February then. That'd be good. That'd be let's good. Let's do it in February. All right, cool. You can ask all your colleagues anyway what they pick, and then you just come. You know, can, I bring about, it, like... can I bring in a, a guest ringer person for me to do, <laughs> to to be my people's champion? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Like that would be like, and then Matthew's like, "Oh yeah, I'm a big grandier head suddenly," and I'm like, "Where did that come from?" But um, <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah, that'd be fun. I think PS One would be good, and like ten games is not too intensive. If anything, that episode's more work for me because I have to tell the story of the PS One without having like lived it in the same way I did with the other platforms we've covered, where I feel like I was able to get my arms around their history quite well. So, yeah, but I'd like to do that. If you, in Feb, if you fancy it, Matthew, we can do PS1. So, um, but and then, uh, yes, Game Boy, as mentioned, can wait until December, <laughs> when Matthew has finally played, like, uh, what is it, like, Ninja 5 or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I have played that. Okay, that's what, one of the few, that's the thing, I've got, I've got my new super niche things, fine. I just need to, like, you know, play... Um, kingdom hearts and things like that oh yeah yeah good chain of memories is really your sort of of thing so yeah (laughs) that's where it'll be one it'll be one in that fucking dirt you know oh gosh yeah like it's sort of like that's actually that's the probably the most sort of like niche thing i just thought i have to have that which i bought in um japan which was a pack of kingdom hearts like playing cards that were all like the cards in that game i was like you know what i've just got to have that uh, I can't really explain why, but uh, that will be mine. So, okay, good. Well, we've got that. Um, let's think we have a nice. We can have a nice port category for that one for GBA because I mean there are so many ports. Oh, it'll be a good draft when we finally do it. We just got to get there. All right, okay. That's the end of the predictions, Matthew. Should we have one qu- final quick break and come back with our quick final sections? That sound good? Let's do it. All right. <laughs>
Welcome back to the podcast. So, very simple, this final section. It's kind of like a best games of 2024 critics draft, I guess. Me and Matthew are going to pick five games each, take it in turns, and we're going to try and like basically get the highest total Metacritic average at the end of the year for our selection of five games. I think our listeners are doing something similar in the Discord right now, Matthew, but this is yeah, something you fancy, want to do. Fancy Critic is a, is a thing. Uh, yeah, my brother's been doing it for several years. It's quite a quite a... Uh, like the, the the official rules of fancy critic have got all these like weird weird extra bits to it like you only i think you only start scoring when a game's above 70 or 80 right and okay. then so every point above 70 you get points for it and then i think if it's below a certain number those points start to get subtracted from your overall thing oh wow and you also do a counter pick where you bet against some you bet you bet yeah you bet on something being bad and you get points if it is bad um it's quite it's quite involved but this is a simplified version where <laughs> we're just going to have five games and then at the end of the year see which of us just got the most points on metacritic right i think yeah basically yeah matthew was never sure he could stretch it into a full episode that idea so it's sort yeah of like... I, I also felt in the past slightly uncomfortable about it i mean this is this is going to sound very kind of um sort of hand wringing of me but when i was still like reviewing games quite regularly it felt like I shouldn't probably be playing this stupid scoring game and doing this. Not that I can swing a Metacritic score. Of course I can't. I know that's preposterous, but like, I don't know. But it, when, you, when you're in that line of work, it felt like you maybe shouldn't be playing this game. <laughs> Is that dumb of me? Uh, I mean, you know, that's. I think you're overthinking it. No one's out there thinking... Matthew's like fixing this. This is not like well, that's a, a thing. But you might be like, oh, you've you you know you 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 dropped this on edge because you know Sam needed it for his <laughs> fancy draft. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Which is something I might do. <laughs> uh, but I wouldn't care that much. That's the thing. I wouldn't even give a shit. So that would be fine with yeah, me. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, there you go. That was just a tiny little insight into what the inside of my head is actually like and how much I overthink these things. All right. Well, okay. So that's fine. We're just going to do a simple top five and then we'll just Should like we, yeah we, coin we flip to start with the coin flip yeah um do you want me to do this for once i've got the coin flip thing okay, up okay you do it yeah yeah okay you. uh right do you want to do heads or tails tails didn't know google has it built in that's quite exciting isn't yeah it? uh it's tails uh Ooh, so yeah i mean it, you, you you just go first right you know? i go first <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean the thing i will add like if if the game doesn't release this year, you get no points for it, obviously. Yeah, and there's a bit of a risk factor with that because obviously games are always moving around. So uh, yeah, it maybe maybe pays to pick things that have release dates already. So yeah, yeah, or, <laughs> <laughs> or you bet you bet big, <laughs> or Mario 3D game unannounced. You bet big. I'm gonna bet on. Uh, so for my first pick, I'm going to take uh, Hollow Knight Silk Song. Oh, interesting. That is a bold pick. Yeah. Uh, if it happens. I think it will be a massive scorer. There's just not a version. I just don't think the fans of that game will let it be bad. Right. Um, uh, it's whether it comes out this year. Big, big if. Mm, okay, interesting. All right. Well, all right. So that game is like, when it comes along, I think it'll probably just shadow drop, basically. They'll just be like, here it is. And then it'll take, the internet will completely lose its mind. Because if I was the, if I were the devs, I would, I would be thinking... We don't need to do a marketing campaign for this. We just need to be like, press the button, it's out. And then 
the, you know the world changes around you that'd be very exciting to do that <laughs> yes. i think so uh yeah i think <laughs> this would appear to be the year i think we're are we approaching the third anniversary of that edge cover now so i think we are <laughs> so yeah um okay all right so that's your number one my number one is a uh, metaphor refantasio the game oh, yeah. from um from the persona devs or some of the key pers- uh, persona devs and uh, it's a new game set in a, fa- a fantasy universe like a new uh, franchise basically and uh, seems to feature some of the same stuff but also some sort of like things they they, w- they weren't doing within persona i think it's almost certainly going to be a monster scorer so this feels like a safe bet uh, i think it'll probably come out this year they've said it's coming out this year yeah. uh it's you know they, there's gameplay out there of it it's been in development for years so yeah i think this is a good shout matthew um yeah I, I, that was uh definitely on my on my my list i've got a list of things in order that i was going to claim them yeah that's how i've done it too so uh i'm sure we'll have some overlap here but um what's your um, number two a, 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 a point of order where do we stand on um <laughs> dlc uh you can pick it if you want it has to be substantial dlc though it can't be like a hat or whatever you know like it's yeah got a, okay yeah. what is if i say elden ring shadow of the earth tree uh i thought this would come up i mean i i, I sort of like resent it on a fundamental level but i'm gonna allow it you know that's where <laughs> Thank i'm at basically. Yeah. <laughs> i mean the thing is it's important that this list doubles as things that i'm personally interested in <laughs> Hollow Knight Song, Elden Ring, Shadow of the Earth Tree. I, yeah, I do kind of want to say you can only pick a game that you know you can finish. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that's... Well, well, that's, <laughs> that's not that's like that's that's so many games I can't finish. No, that's fine. Go ahead. You you have your fucking Elden Ring yeah, DLC. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's a good shout. Um, all right. So I'm going to next up. I'm going to take Dragon's Dogma two. Uh, this has like this has big games journalists like this energy to it. Uh, Capcom has made basically bangers non-stop for about five years now i don't see that changing anytime soon i like everything i've seen of this um they're doing it for you know joe scrabbles that's just great news i think for everyone involved so uh yes um dragon's dogma 2 is my number two matthew thoughts yeah i mean it looks absolutely brilliant um i've not you know not played it myself but uh everything they've shown of it just looks like you know the the core idea of dragon's dogma one sort of fully realized with a bit more heft behind it um yeah i mean it's one of the one of the games i'm most excited about this year good stuff so what's your number three my number three is paper mario the thousand year door (laughs) yeah good good call good call Uh, again like it's it's a it's a fine game very enjoyable um i know some people are just so nuts about it that they will inevitably review it and punch its score up. This will score higher than it probably deserves to. Um, in a similar way that I think happened with uh, Super Mario RPG, which is actually like an old-ass game under its graphics, as I've been discovering uh, these last few evenings. Uh, yeah, like, but that, who cares? This isn't about what I think about it. It's it's about what the, uh, the reviewing masses think about it, and I think they're going to give this a fat 90+. plus. <laughs> yeah i think that's um that's basically uh basically true so uh yes um, g- good stuff it's a very cynical exercise it is a little bit you're picking things that you don't like uh to make I a point i do po- like paper mario thousand year door i just yeah. don't think it's a t- i don't think it's a 10 but luckily there are a lot of clowns who will <laughs> dweebs as you keep saying dweebs and clowns <laughs> dweebs and clowns okay um i'm gonna take uh like a dragon infinite wealth my third game mm. this is out very very soon 
the last uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon drew a lot of acclaim. I think this one, you know, with its Hawaiian setting and no doubt a, a preposterous array of mini games and the uh, two two protagonists, you know, like past and present Yakuza coming together is going to appeal to people massively. I can see this being like a high eighties at the least. So it feels like a steady steady mm. one to have in here, Matthew. Um, and thoughts, it's uh, definitely happening, unlike yeah. some of mine. Yeah, exactly. It is definitely happening. So uh, yes, it feels like a sensible pick. What's your number four? My number four is Persona 3 Reload. Hmm, yeah, an interesting one. Probably, like, the riskiest of my picks so far. Like, I'm basically going on on the goodwill towards Persona. Um, This looks like a a big sort of, you know... Well, it's a big leap over the original material, and it looks much more in line with what you'd expect from Persona 5. You know, that, that speaks to me. There's been a little bit of of kind of grumbling about some of the features they haven't bought in from the PSP version. Is yep, this right? That's the right. There's the... like an extra chapter, I think, at the end. And also the male-female protagonist choice, I don't think, is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that enough to get this dinged? I'd be I'd be surprised. I know some people will complain about it in their, in their reviews, but I think this will still... I think this will still come in high. I mean... In terms of my Atlas things, Metaphor Re Fantasio was was higher than this for sure. I think that's. I think all eyes are still on that one, but uh, I think this will this will bank some reliable points. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's um. Yeah. Then those points will all be eights basically. So that's um. That's fine. Uh. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a good call. All right. Uh, I'm going to take Hellblade Two from number four, Matthew. Um. Ooh. I think that um. If you uh, try to deny this as a good pick, then what you are basically saying is it's not okay to talk about mental health. And frankly, I frowned <laughs> upon that perspective. I don't think that's appropriate. And how dare, how, how dare you? Like, what were you thinking? Even even suggesting that. So, uh, thoughts on that one, Matthew? I mean, man, what a minefield you've left for me. Um, I do think this will be good. I would exp- I I, I don't really rate Hellblade One that much. I think it's fine. Like it, it didn't it didn't really do it for me. But I feel like they've invested a lot in this studio for this game to be much more ambitious and a big step up. And with that big step up, it, it should finally become the the more kind of critically acclaimed thing that it that it should be. But um, yeah. Side note, when I considered moving to um, Cambridge last year and I was sort of like looking around different areas, I discovered that um, Ninja Theory owns a pub in Cambridge and really wanted to go in there. Just love the idea of a game studio owning a pub, but um, didn't go in there in the end and probably won't go back to Cambridge now. So that's uh, that's that uh, dour note there to uh, oh, to end on. <laughs> thank you for that. No, no worries. So, 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 that's slightly better than my Donkey Kong Country Kickstarter <laughs> story. There's not much in it though. Like there's not much in it between like a four out of five, a four out of ten, to five out of ten, is there? So um, uh, when it yeah. comes to anecdotes, so what's your fifth and final pick, Matthew? My fifth and final pick is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. <gasps> Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Um, but there is a version where this goes wrong again, in terms of if if they go too far down the the kind of weird meta level with this. Uh, now that I'm very invested in the contents of Disc One, like, I, I obviously don't want to see them mess with those classic scenes and those classic characters. Um, maybe that will happen, but I feel like the, uh, they've got a lot more material to play with to make a, f- a full game, so they maybe don't need to sort of pad it in weird ways that they may have done with with remakes. So, yeah, I I, th- I think this is gonna 
I think this is going to come in high 80s. Yeah, okay. I think I think that's a good call. I think that is. I think that's pretty much where it's going to land. We know that there's a, a baseline of quality they're working with from what was in the um, mm. the original remake. So, yeah, I had this as my number five too. But um, you took it. That's fine. So my la- my last entry then, my fifth entry is going to be Unicorn Overlord, the next <laughs> game from Vanillaware. Amazing name for a game. Obviously, I think we'll agree there. Um, that and. Um, uh, metaphor refantasio are kind of like competing for the most like uh, preposterous jrpg name for the year <laughs> so i appreciate that as a battleground uh, but like i think vanilla Ware has steadily built up this reputation as as one of the rpg heavyweights i mean or you know or like i guess sort of games in that vein like strategy slash rpg i guess they sort of go between a little bit but mm. this um this game is pretty sort of like trad looking rpg in in some ways but also has that kind of like very distinctive sort of like soft uh anime art style that you see in vanilla wares games mm. um, and a little bit horny obviously that's also part i say a little bit like quite a lot horny honestly <laughs> um but i think that their games always do really well critically and this will be a good call for that reason it's out in um out in march so uh you know it's it will be here this year i don't know if it releases here in march but um you know certainly it's sort of like they have been talking about it in the west i don't think there's going to be the big wait for it like there was with 13 mm. sentinels so yeah this feels like if i can't have ff7 this might be as as good a banker in terms yeah. of like the metacritic score thoughts matthew yeah absolutely i mean kind of fits in very neatly with your kind of yeah your atlas games and you're like a dragon where you you know that these games will be given to the people who like these games to review yeah absolutely (laughs) which is again a cynical way of looking at it um (laughs) like i think we both know how how these things sort of work and how you know outlets behave that yeah, that's a pretty safe bet. That yeah, yeah. you've got your one freelance. This is going to have the best shot. It's going to get is is yeah for sure. Yeah, you've got your one freelancer. You slide it to him, and then it comes back as a ninety-two, and you're like, "Is this definitely a ninety-two? And they're like, "Yes." And you're like, <laughs> "Okay, well, I guess I'll publish it." And then people are complaining because you gave that ninety-two, but you gave like I don't know this FPS that sells ten million copies at eighty-three or something. That's <laughs> yeah. basically that was my entire experience running PC Gamer. Hope you enjoy that insight, listeners. <laughs> Oh dear, uh, but yeah, I, I really like Vanillaware, and like their games are—they're interesting. Cause not all of them are actually freely available on modern platforms. There's a bit of variance there. So they just did Grim Grimoire, um, one of their cool PS2 games, like that was redone on Switch and um, PS5 last year. And you can play Odin Sphere, which is I think my favorite of their games that I've played. I've not played Thirteen Sentinels. Odin Sphere is on PS4, so you can play it on PS5. That's a cool game, a sort of side-scrolling um, oh. RPG thing, which with again with amazing artwork. They're just a, a cool little dev, and I'm pleased they can keep making their thing and it seems like 13 sentinels hit a level of popularity or like or cult appeal that they haven't previously seen in the west so i can see them building on that this time matthew so uh, one of my most anticipated of the year okay that's it that's the podcast done if you'd like to support the podcast after listening to this you probably don't want to but i promise we do make like good episodes as well <laughs> i think there was enough good in this no it was fun it was fun patreon.com slash backpage pod if you'd like to get the two additional podcasts a month or just support us more generally it's a four pound fifty tier there and a one pound tier one pound is a sort of tip jar tier matthew where can people find you on social media i'm 
Mr. Basil underscore Pesto on Twitter and Mr. Basil Pesto no underscore on Blue Sky, but I don't really post there, so I wouldn't bother. He doesn't. I sort of like my social media strategy this year is I'm a bastard on Blue Sky and I'm a jokester on um, on Twitter. That's what I'm doing this year. So uh, enjoy that. We'll see how it pans out. And uh, yes, and the podcast can be followed at Backpage Pod and uh, on uh, on both platforms. And I'm um, Samuel W. Roberts on both platforms. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.